Today on Off the Cuff Declassified, we're talking the Inspector General's report and all of the problems with what looks like to be a cover-up. Hurt Schlichter joins me to wrap up the week, and Robert Spencer is with me to discuss the latest happening in Gaza between Hamas and Israel. The long-awaited Department of Justice Inspector General report dropped yesterday, and it was absolutely as lackluster and disappointing as I thought it would be. The report does nothing but say, well, maybe people broke some FBI rules. Now, they want to make it seem like that's not the case, but I'm telling you, as somebody who was in law enforcement, alongside law enforcement and covering law enforcement for 25 years, this was a whitewash. This smells to me of a cover-up. Let me put it in perspective. This report basically said, well, people did some things wrong, and yeah, we're going to refer them back to the FBI for internal investigation. They may have inappropriately texted some things that may have seemed biased. But in reality, there wasn't one criminal referral. Nobody would be held to task. And they didn't even, they didn't even have the decency whoever published the final report. Because remember, many conservatives, myself included, were concerned this report was held back for a while after Inspector General Horowitz completed his investigation. Now, he's an Obama appointee and an old friend of James Comey. I'm not saying I've got tremendous faith in that guy either. But why did the DOJ sit on this report? Why didn't the pure, unfiltered, raw report come out immediately? Begs, that begs many questions. Now, we're going to get in a moment into Christopher Ray, the FBI director's embarrassingly, embarrassingly weak press conference. He should be replaced this morning. But let's talk about this report. Now, many, many things in this report, and we're going to run through them. And I'm going to run through, I made a list of them. So I'm going to be looking at my screen a lot, telling you certain things that jumped out in the report that I and others found. But one of the things that really leapt out at me and many others with regards to this report were the the texts, those newly discovered texts that the OIG had, that DOJ had, were never given to Congress between Peter Stroke and Lisa Page. I don't understand in any way, shape, or form how the Inspector General could have read these texts and concluded that there was no political bias on the part of the FBI. And of course, the text I'm talking about is the following. If you haven't read it, Hope you're sitting down. Lisa Page, the FBI lawyer, texted Peter Stroke, one of Mueller's senior investigators, a senior counterterrorism agent at the FBI, the agent who interviewed Michael Flynn, General Flynn, and I believe framed him. Lisa Page texted, quote, Trump's not ever going to become president, right? Right? And Peter Stroke responded, No, no, he won't. We'll stop it. No, no, he won't. We'll stop it. Now, despite that, despite that, Horowitz's report found that Peter Stroke and Lisa Page's political views did not influence their work. Who in the world would believe that? This is beyond bad. This is beyond whitewashing. Now, Many people, many conservatives out there on Twitter, most notably Robbie Starbuck. Robbie's a really good guy. He's, a, uh, he's an interesting character. He's a very successful music video producer in Hollywood who's a friend of mine. He's also very, very uh, conservative. Big Trump supporter. President retweeted him last week. Uh, he's an anomaly in Hollywood, but he's a talented enough guy and established enough in the industry where he doesn't, uh, he's not affected by his politics. So he and many others, and I'm going to go through some of their tweets and and read you some of the things they found. But uh, many of the things that we were all finding were uh, the text messages. Let me read you. This from from Robbie's feed. I'm going to read you different things that people found in their feeds, many of the things I found. Uh, uh, here, Here are some more texts that hadn't been publicized from Page and Stroke. From Lisa Page, Trump barely spoke. Now remember, I'm reading these to you because I want you to remember that the inspector general found that Peter Stroke and Lisa Page did not let their political views and their political bias influence their work. 
Lisa Page, quote, Trump barely spoke. The first thing out of his mouth was, quote, we're going to win so big. The whole thing is like living in a bad dream. Stroke, Trump is a disaster. I have no idea how destabilizing his presidency would be. Stroke, just went to a Southern Virginia Walmart. I could smell the Trump support. Uh, Page, Lisa Page, uh, the New York Times probability numbers are dropping every day. I'm scared for our organization. Stroke, Jill Stein and moron Gary Johnson are effing everything up too. Uh, Page, Lisa Page, I bought all the president's men. Figure I needed to brush up on Watergate. I, I just, I am uh, beside myself. I am absolutely beside myself. Now, an agent that uh, was not identified, because there are many, many damning communications in the inspector general's report with people listed as FBI employee, in this case, agent number five. Agent number five, quote, I would rather have brunch with Trump and a bunch of his supporters like the ones from Ohio that are retarded. These are FBI employees. Another FBI employee, number one, I mean, I never really liked the Republic anyway. FBI employee two said, I mean, I never really liked the uh, the Republic anyway. As I have initiated the destruction of the Republic, would you be so kind as to have coffee with me this afternoon? Now you've seen these, but they were in the report again. After Hillary Clinton lost. FBI attorney two, I am numb. FBI employee, I can't stop crying. FBI attorney two, that makes me even more sad. FBI employee, like what happened? FBI employee, you promised me this wouldn't happen. You promised about Trump winning the election. This is the FBI. This is the FBI. Senior, senior people. Senior people. I read this. It was 500 and something pages. Reading it. Now, this is really interesting. This is really, really interesting. 500 pages reading it was like, I couldn't believe this was happening inside our FBI, inside our DOJ. This is uh, an FBI agent working on the Clinton investigation, responding to some questions from another FBI agent about witnesses on behalf of Hillary Clinton or witnesses who had material information on Hillary Clinton coming in. uh, And this witness, So here, this is from the report. Let me read it to you. In another exchange on February 4th, 2016, Agent 1 and an FBI employee who was not assigned to the mid-year investigation, mid-year, mid-year exam was the code name for the Hillary Clinton investigation, discussed Agent 1's interview with a witness who assisted the Clintons at the Chappaqua residence. Part of this exchange follows. FBI employee, quote, boom, how did the witness go? Agent 1, awesome, lied his ass off. Went from never inside the SCIF, a SCIF is a sensitive compartmented information facility where you review top secret SCI information. Went from never inside the SCIF at residence to looked in when it was being constructed to remove the trash twice, to troubleshot the secure facts with Hillary Rodden Clinton a couple of times, to every time there was a secure facts, I did it with HRC. Ridic. Would be funny if he was the only guy charged in this deal. I know. For 1001, even if he said the truth and didn't have a clearance when handling the secure facts, ain't no one gonna do SH. In other words, these two FBI investigators, an FBI investigator and an FBI employee, knew that someone who worked for Hillary Clinton was lying to them, knew it, knew it, and also knew that no one at the FBI or DOJ was gonna do a damned thing about it. Yet the inspector general found that James Comey did not let political bias creep in to the Hillary Clinton investigation. She was not given preferential treatment. This is infuriating. Infuriating. Ah, I, I, uh, it's just amazing. I read through this report last night. I was up very, very late. And I... I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I've never been. You know that. You know that. And I'm a lot more emotional. I'm, I'm a lot more upset. I'm a lot more angry today than I've been on the show in a very long time. Considerably more. This is a travesty. 
is an insult to America, to the rule of law, to the Constitution. Terrible. This is terrible. Terrible. The implication of this. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, pay to read you much more. It doesn't pay to read you much more. Um, and uh, I, as I go through this, uh, it, 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 uh, it's infuriating. But let, let's, let's analyze now, fallout. What we know is that justice will never be done, okay? Let me put it in perspective for you. If an FBI agent, I might have told you this yesterday, I've been saying this quite If an FBI agent was at home with their daughter, their daughter was sick, home from school, little kid, and the family had two cars, one was in the shop, and the FBI agent's wife took the other car to work, or husband, I don't want to be perceived to be a misogynist, the spouse took the car to work, and the only vehicle left at home was the FBI agent's work car, the government, what they call the official government vehicle, the OGV, or OGA, official government automobile, depending on the agency. If the FBI agent off-duty said to their kid, stay on the couch, I'm going to run to Walgreens, get you some cough medicine, and they took the car, the official government car, and ran to a Walgreens drugstore. In my neighborhood, my Walgreens is literally walking distance, three blocks from my house. And they made that six-block round trip, and somebody complained. A neighbor said, hey, we just saw the FBI agent using their taxpayer government-funded car to go to Walgreens, okay? That would be an automatic 45 to 60-day suspension. Think about that. Now, I have friends who are DEA. At DEA, it's an automatic 30 to 60-day suspension for simply using your government card. You're not, you're not intoxicated. You're not impaired. You're simply running an errand six blocks but you use the government vehicle, taxpayer-funded to do it. A 30 to 60-day suspension, depending on the agency, no questions asked, policy set in stone. Yet, senior FBI officials weaponized their offices. Senior DOJ officials weaponized their offices to rig the presidential election on behalf of Hillary Clinton. And the inspector general's office says, eh, might be something. Might be nothing. Let's kick it back to FBI to investigate internally. This Now, let me explain this to you. Because they, they, they were, they're relying on the fact that the general public doesn't understand the intricacies. But I do. I do. In the report, they refer five FBI employees, Stroke, Lisa Page, and others, for investigation. And many people who are trying, they, they, they still believe in those conspiracy theory 5D chess and Jeff Sessions is the silent assassin behind the scenes and he's got a team of prosecutors. See, they referred five for investigation. You don't know what you're talking about, Cardillo. No, you don't know what you're talking about. It means nothing. Investigation sounds scary, right? Well, retail store security guards conduct investigations on shoplifters. It means they grab somebody that thought shoplifted, they look at the videotape, they say, yeah, that's them. That's an investigation. Okay, this investigation is going back to FBI OPR, the Office of Professional Responsibility. Understand something. It's being kicked down, not escalated. Okay, being de-escalated. OPR looks at everything. Everything, the most minor thing. OPR looks at the use of the car. OPR looks at an FBI agent accused of discourtesy. When, when conducting an investigation, the FBI came to my business, your agent was rude. They, they didn't identify themselves properly. The most minor things. If now, if FBI gets a complaint or DEA or ATF or any agency about anything as innocuous as your agent was rude to your agent is corrupt and dealing drugs, OPR gets it first. If it's deemed to be more egregious, criminal, it goes to OIG. The Department of Justice, OIG, as long as the agency falls under DOJ. Other agencies have their own OIGs. Uh, if it was the Secret Service, it would go to Homeland Security's OIG. But it would go to OIG of the respective parent agency. FBI, obviously, is under DOJ. What OIG is saying is that these things are not serious enough for us anymore. 
We're going to kick them back to OPR. These are internal administrative issues. They're not big issues that require inspector general involvement. The reason I'm so fired up is that I worked inside. I know how it works. This is a whitewash. Last week, I said to you, I think it's going to be a dud. A few days ago, I said, I think it's going to be a dud. It's going to justify a few firings and no one's going to get prosecuted. This is one. Look, I love making uh, predictions, giving you analysis that turns out to be right. It's why you watch me. Okay. That's what my job is to do my homework, to tap my experience, to be right. This is one that I am sickened that I was right about. But I was. It justified Comey's firing. Maybe. I mean, Comey could have been fired for any reason. The president's in the clear. It helps the president because it, it did justify Comey's firing. Combined with the Rosenstein letter. Well, how could the president have obstructed justice if now the inspector general appointed by Barack Obama is saying Comey handled his job improperly? He, he uh, defied authority. He was insubordinate. Those are all fireable offenses. So Mueller's assertion that Comey was fired and it was obstruction of justice just got tossed on its head. So that's a win for the president, but it's about the only win for the president. America lost. The rule of law lost. The United States Constitution lost. Lost. They all lost today. Yesterday. This is disgraceful. This is absolutely disgraceful. The president of the United States needs to immediately, immediately, without delay, immediately fire Jeff Sessions, fire Rod Rosenstein, and fire Robert Mueller. Now, I know the likelihood of that is slim. And fire Christopher Wray, the FBI director. His press conference was abysmal. He basically said, I don't care what you think of the FBI. I don't see any problems here. Yep, we're going to do some ethical training. And by the way, we only accept 5% of our honors interns. It was, it was a babbling mess of weakness, his press conference. Christopher Ray and James Comey are prime examples of why you should not have Department of Justice lawyers who never carried a gun, never kicked the door, and never tackled the bad guy running the FBI. Contrast them with Tom Homan, who runs ICE, a hard-charging cop. A guy like Tom Homan would have the FBI in shape in a week. President needs to fire Ray. He needs to fire Sessions, Rosenstein, and Mueller immediately. DOJ and FBI need a house cleaning and gallons, thousands of gallons of bleach poured on them to sanitize the place. And then, maybe just then, they'll restore their credibility. But what immediately needs to be done, I mean in the next 10 minutes, is the President of the United States needs to appoint a second special counsel, which he can constitutionally do. He doesn't need the AG to do it. He needs to appoint a second special counsel so that justice can be done. Is this, this is an absolute disgrace. A lot of conservatives are very, very upset about this tepid whitewash cover-up of an inspector general's report, but I don't think any two are more upset than me and... Kurt Schlichter rejoins me now. Kurt, I read this thing last night. I dug in deep. I went late. I said somebody had to have missed something. It can't be 500 some odd pages of, eh, it looks bad, but it's probably just administrative issues within the FBI. And let's send it back down to OPR, under, under OIG. Let's send it back down for some administrative review. Maybe some people get suspended. Maybe some people get fired. But beyond that, it's a big nothing. I thought that wasn't going to be the case. That's the case. <laughs> I, I'm a little troubled that the Department of Justice doesn't know the definition of evidence. Yes, yes. Because or, at the or, end, they or, say... Or, or justice. Yeah, well, <laughs> let, let's start at the beginning. Let's start at the <laughs> basics. Um, at the end, they conclude there's no evidence of pol uh, political bias influence these actions after highlighting a pervasive culture of politicization... You're right. Against uh, uh, the Trump side and, and for the Hillary Clinton side. I mean, it wasn't just a few things. It was pervasive, continuous, and through and through the entire And, and not just by the investigation. suspects, right? Not just no, by, 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 uh, by everybody involved. Everybody involved. But look, I got to read this. I got to read this because you talked about evidence. Lisa Page, Trump's not ever going to become president, right? 
right? A Peter Stroke. No, no, he won't. We'll stop it. But they found no evidence of political bias there among senior members of the FBI. This, you know, it, it would be, it, it's it would be funny if it wasn't tragic. Look, evidence is anything that proves or tends to prove a material fact at issue. Um, a, the existence of a pervasive culture of politicization in favor of Hillary Clinton, plus the fact that every single decision, which they characterize as prosecutorial discretion, yeah. went in Hillary's favor from granting immunity to pretty much everybody to not seeking subpoenas, to not examining the most basic evidence, which would be the server. Right, uh, right. Every one, every, they, they characterize each of these as, as, as discretion, but each of them went in her favor. John, you're involved in law enforcement. When have you ever seen a suspect who gets the benefit of the doubt every single time when doesn't, the fix isn't happen. in? I'll tell, you no. what else, I'll tell you what else I've never seen. Well, well, let's ask Dinesh D'Souza about it. How about Frank Quattrone? That's right. How about Conrad Black? Let's ask them. How about Hank Greenberg? Oh, well, How about Hank, Hank Greenberg, Greenberg, who prevailed, Hank but Greenberg. It, he had to spend about $22 million on legal fees to beat the government. Yeah. Yeah. When, yeah. when, do, when, when does this discretion start going in the favor of an accused that they happen to disagree with politically? When does this start? That's right. It doesn't. Listen, there, Kurt, there, to say, to say, say that this. there's no evidence is a lie. You might not right. believe it. You might not be convinced. There's evidence to the others. All of them denied it. And you could believe their denial. But don't tell me there's no evidence. That's a lie. A, a total lie. But let me say this. I've never seen this many Queen for a Day letters issued with people so materially close, not to the investigation, but to the criminal behavior in the investigation. That was purposeful. Queen for a Day letter is just a fancy way of saying immunity. You're given immunity yeah. for your testimony that day, just for the audience. But I've never seen immunity granted to that many people who went into the interview most likely having done something criminal. That, that wasn't done to get their testimony. That was done to protect them. Yes. Yeah, I no, mean, that's, that's, not, that's, that's, that's absolutely not why true. you use those Queen for a Day letters. You use those Queen for a Day letters to get testimony, not to give cover to your political allies. Right, but that's, that's what happened here. I mean, this was, this is a disaster. It, it, more than just this this investigation, the the thing about Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, it, it, it's bad. And there are certain people who should have gone to jail. But the real damage is to the institutions and to our faith in our system. The this was an attempt to try and whitewash things to get the reputation of the FBI and the DOJ back by someone who loves the DOJ and loves the FBI and thinks it's important that their reputation come back, but they don't understand. They don't understand the fact that when a limb is gangrenous, it has to come off. Look, I used to be the guy that the generals would send to troubled units to fix them. And I would go in and I would clean house. That's how you do it. You don't so, walk so wait, away wait, from wait, the Let me ask you a question about that because it's important. So you wouldn't do back when you were a colonel what Christopher Ray did which was to hold a press conference saying oh. you were going to you were going to you were going to hold ethics and diversity training we, and we have the best yeah. we have the best interns Intern ever program and we only take 5% of our honors interns yeah you don't walk in and talk about how great everybody is if you're I, if you I, guys yeah. are really good and, and and they're always good troops you know i, I never blame the troops i blame the culture of the command right you don't have to tell them that. You walked in and you set the standard and you you executed. This guy needs to go. This guy has failed. That guy has failed. That guy is a crook. He's getting UCMJ. This is you go in and you you confront the problem and you get rid of them and you allow the good people to operate by enforcing the standards. You don't tell everybody we're a great organization. You become a great organization by becoming a great organization. Well, you know, did you see Gorka, Sebastian Gorka's tweets today and they comport with uh, other reporters from Fox News? Gorka said that Christopher Ray is completely useless. Agents tell him that Ray sits in his office with the door closed. He's paralyzed and terrified. Then I forget who it was, but a Fox News reporter tweeted that they're now hearing from agents that Ray has laid his foot and said, no more whistleblowers, and you're, you're going to basically be penalized and ruined if you dare blow the whistle on any more wrongdoing inside the FBI. This is not the way to repair the image of an agency. Oh, my God. Uh, it, it, I, I, and I have no doubt all that's true. I don't understand the session or Ray thing. Me neither. 
Meaning, I don't. I don't get well, it. Well, well, well I, I do. I, in there, I, I no, do. I, I understand I, the appointment. I understand the appointment. Not to cut you off. I understand first. the appointments. That yeah. shouldn't yeah. help no, Trump politically. I get right. that. But then Sessions he and should have been great. Right. He and Rosenstein recommended Ray. But here's my problem with Ray that I've always had with DOJ lawyers who've never carried a gun, never kicked the door, never tackled the bad guy running the FBI. You can't have a lawyer who's never been a cop running a law enforcement agency. For contrast this against Tom Homan, the ICE director. That guy is hard charging, unpolitically correct, unapologetic. If you stuck a Tom Homan-like guy in, in, at the top of the FBI, the agency would be clean in a week. Yeah, I, I agree. Now, look, I, I'm a lawyer and I was never a cop. But if I went in, well, you were I, was a colonel, you were a soldier. I was a soldier. You if I went in there, I would know what to do. I would know whose butt to kick. Right. And I don't think he went in. I think he went in there to protect the agency as a bureaucrat thinks about it. A bureaucrat thinks about protecting his agency by covering up wrongdoing. A leader thinks about protecting his agency by making his agency great. And you do that by enforcing standards. You know, an agency is great because of its standards, not in spite of right. them, right. Not, not in spite of the fact that people found out that sometimes people don't meet the standards. That's expected. You expect that sometimes people are going to fall short. When you succeed, it's because of your reaction to it, not covering it up, but dealing with it openly. But it isn't, the equivalent, isn't the equivalent to sticking a DOJ lawyer at the helm of the FBI? The same as if inst instead of sending in Colonel Kurt Schlichter with 20 some odd years in the military, they plucked a DOD lawyer that's never served in the military. Yeah, but find, a, find, a, find a JAG from headquarters. Right, right, or not even a JAG, not even a JAG, just a civilian a civilian DOD lawyer yeah. that's never had military time and stuck them, at, 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 put them in place to run one of the units. That's what yeah, I see the equivalent as. Yeah, and it's, it, it, I think it's gotta stop. Uh, and I, I think this is going to give Trump some leeway I hope. to fire people. Um, I, I expect a tweet storm if it already hasn't started. You know what? Good point. Uh, Let's about take this. a look at Donald Trump's Twitter. Oh, boy. Got. You know, he hadn't tweeted since yesterday. Uh, uh, yeah, Donald Trump was 100% right to fire James Comey. Excuse me, Trump retweeted Mark Levin. He retweeted Fox and Friends. He retweeted Jason Chaffetz. So uh, he, okay, so uh, more Mark Levin. He's uh, talking about jobs numbers, but he is retweeting. He retweeted uh, three hours ago. Okay, here we go. Trump tweeted three hours ago. The IG report is a total disaster for Comey, his minions, and sadly, the FBI. Comey will yeah. now officially go down as the worst leader by far in the history of the FBI. I did a great, <laughs> I did a great, now this is what bothers me, Kurt. I did a great service to the people in firing him. Good instincts. Christopher Ray will bring it proudly back. I disagree with the president on that. Why did why does he have so much faith in him? Is this the, some of the 273 level chests that were? Yeah, we're not privy to 278 D chests lost. Yeah, I, I just I I, <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know. Look, I, I mean, look, I, I, again, I didn't start out having a lot of faith in Donald Trump, as you well know. I was right, an anti, right. I was never a never Trumper because I've had sex with a woman. Uh, but <laughs> I, I was I was a, a I was an anti-Trump guy. And then Trump won me over with a track record of success and right. making promises and keeping them. So I think he deserves a little faith. But boy, it's hard. I'm, I'm watching hard. I, he, he, he seems to like this Ray guy. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know. Somebody Maybe knows something I don't know. I'll you don't like you Sessions. I know that. <laughs> somebody in the White House likes Christopher Ray, and it's somebody that Trump respects who's reassuring Trump that Ray is a good guy. That's the only explanation for this. I it might be Kelly. It might be Kelly. Might Kelly be General Kelly. Might be White House counsel Don McGahn. Would be Jared or Ivanka. But people that the president trusts and listens to. Would maybe be, he didn't uh, watch. Maybe he didn't watch the news conference. He, he, might, he was at top interns, yeah. best interns, huge interns, huge interns. Five percent. Five, five, five percent of the interns. You know what that Jeff means? If we have a hundred interns, we only take five. Jeff, five percent of the interns. Jeff Blake is Mister Eighteen Percent, and Christopher Ray is Mister Five Percent. By the way, interesting fact about Jeff Flake: he played in the oh. congressional baseball game. He's a lefty. He's a lefty. Nice. Yep. Nice. How fitting is that? Nice.
That's that's perfect. And Steve Scalise, <laughs> Steve Scalise made his first play. It was pretty good. You see the video? Uh, I've heard about it. It's I've a really, it. it's cool video. Yeah, that's kind really... that's kind of inspirational. I mean, yeah, you oh, take yeah, a seven six two round to the pelvis, and then you come back a year later and you're playing baseball. That's that's pretty butch. You know, yeah. I I just yeah. don't think that we've really explored the fact that a a, a, a Democrat, proud Democrat, tried to murder a bunch of Republicans. Oh, that was buried. That was swept under the rug. Yeah. Swept completely under the rug. So what do you think? Do we <laughs> he see... still worked at the IGs. Yeah, do we see Lisa Page and Peter Stroke fired, or does this whole thing just get swept away? Uh, I, I think they're going to have to fire. Look, if you look at the IG report, well, and you have in more detail than I have, um, but every... I, they did have some da very damaging revelations. Let's let let let's not, you know, confuse well, people. Well, he, there he, is he, a he lot of bad stuff he talked there, there's about. There's a lot of it's bad conclusions. stuff. But the agency I, on the, the whole, he, but not the individual yeah. players. Yeah, but there there are things that he just couldn't hide, and he had right, to say. Right, right. And I think I don't think there's there's not a scenario I see where Stroke and Page stay on in the FBI. Now, I'm curious, was there any talk about the fact that they were, you know, banging each other and that's well, completely that's, against the rules? Did anyone, did the IG Apparently that's not, not against the rules. Apparently, screwing around with your married colleague is not against the rules, FBI rules. So I guess that's why Ray wants to conduct ethics training. It might be unethical, Well, may, but maybe, maybe it should be Maybe Not only be. for the harassment side, but, you know, if you're in counter, if you're head of counterintelligence and you're banging a woman who's you not go. your wife, doesn't that make you potentially compromised? I think you're, you're, you're really <gasps> blackmail in that case, right? You would, you would, I honestly have to tell you, Kurt, I was shocked that it wasn't, that it wasn't part of the code of the FBI because all agents have to carry TS clearance, top secret, many carry TSSCI. Yep. You would think that anything that could compromise you would automatically. Oh, they, be when I when I got when I got my TS uh, SCI, I mean, they were like, "Okay, tell me anything you've done. Right. right. Tell me the bad stuff. Maybe we can work through it, but you got to tell me." Right. And I'm like, "Well, there was the gimp box at the no, no, nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing. That's that's nothing, yeah. nothing. Because no one else was involved. That was before cell phone cameras were okay." <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's I mean it's hugely disappointing. The yeah. FBI, remember when we were kids, the FBI was a legend. Oh God, there are a few. There are a few right? Yeah, yeah, there are a few <laughs> police agencies that are legend. You were in a legendary one. The 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 NYPD is a the legend. L the LAPD. The LAPD was right, a, right. a it was a legendary organization. The mm -hmm. FBI though was the FBI. Was the Wind Martin? <laughs> right. Remember that? The premier. And I watched agency. every Sunday. Right. And 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 you know if the FBI said it. You know, and, and juries reacted that way. Juries were like, you know, a prosecutor could go, and the FBI crime lab has found this, right. you know, fiber. And you're like, oh, well, <laughs> you know. Look, and it's look, still to this, to this day, every law enforcement agency in the country follows the FBI protocols for selecting firearms and ammunition to give to their cops. It's yep. still considered the premier. And let's face it, J. Edgar Hoover, despite the fact that he liked to wear dresses, <laughs> And most likely had a 30-year relationship with his aide. He was a tough. But they FBI. weren't married. They weren't married. They didn't break up. But he was a tough FBI director. The guy was never perceived as weak. He well, never put up would have put up with this. Look, he was. A, you show up and you're wearing a suit and tie. That's right. You look like an FBI agent. Your behavior is uh, beyond reproach. That's right. We're, we're not. You know, no corrupt. Yo, know, you didn't see. You know, Whitey Bulger getting tips from the FBI guys during. Uh, uh, Hoover's time. A case that Robert you, Mueller, Robert Mueller was the lead U.S. attorney buried. in that case. Yep. Yeah, that you, yep. you didn't see, you know, Robert Hansen selling out the FBI. You didn't see the FBI crime lab having thousands of convictions yep. overturned. Yep. You didn't see, but, but, you know, but we, while we're talking about all this bad stuff, we still have to go back to the heroism of India, individual FBI agents. And I go back to the Florida shootout. Where uh, a bunch of FBI's with uh, 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 very light weapons went up against trained, you know, special forces guys with long rifles and shot it out with them. Yeah, face former to face. Vietnam vets. It was right former here, Viet right here in Miami, the famous Miami shootout in the late 1980s. Yeah, and, and, yep. and in fact, my commander uh, actually went to Afghanistan later uh, and worked with one of those guys who's still on the job in the 
2000s doing uh, anti-drug stuff in Afghanistan. Uh, He was the guy who actually killed the two uh, at the end, shot through the arm, firing a 12-gauge shotgun with one hand uh, and then his pistol. Uh, Gutierrez, I think. uh, Yeah, he was HRT. He was FBI HRT, hostage rescue team there, SWAT. He was a hard-charging guy, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, a Cuban guy. Yep. And uh, uh, like my wife, so I, I'm familiar with when you get yeah, your wife, you, you know, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, for a guy to walk into fire yeah. like that with one light weapon against two killers and to drop them both. I mean, that that is the FBI we want. That is the FBI yeah. that's still there. That's the FBI that can be. And that is the FBI that this report that, betrays that the, uh, by not holding these agents to the standard. That's right. That, that, that you know, that case. Well, the famous Miami shootout. That case is yep. training doctrine in the police academy yes. today. And it was what it was what created the national shift to deploying semi-automatic uh, weapons to police yeah. agencies because those agents oh, yeah. were armed with 38s and the bad guys had fully automatic M16s. Uh, they, they also yeah. had very light nine millimeter pistols, uh, which uh, one or you know, two agents had one them. or two had them. They were they, being tried. They were the edgy ones. Yeah. And uh, they were they were underpowered at the time. And, and they, they went. Yeah, they went. They didn't they, have the good ammo. They went to the 40 calibers. And that's right. They. Yeah. And they, there, were, there were a lot of changes. But, you yeah. know, even I and I'm a civilian. I've studied that shootout. Well, they went to 10 you know, as part of my own personal training. Yeah, to, to figure out what do you do in a close range firefight. That's right. And and, That's and right. how do you? But these guys kept fighting. Full of bullets, they kept fighting. That's and why that's the FBI, and that's why we owe them to hold right. that agency to the highest standards because that's, right. that's that's it. It's a betrayal of those guys. Hi, Kurt. That is a perfect way to end it. I could not agree more. Kurt Schlichter, everybody catches show on the Rebel every Thursday, right, Kurt? It's Thursday. One came out last night. You must watch it because it's the greatest thing ever happened. I had Gabe Patriot on. Oh, he's awesome. He's awesome. Oh, God. It's it's funny. Every Thursday night, it is really, really funny stuff. Look, have a great weekend. I'll talk to you next week. Okay. Thanks. So much going on in the world, especially as it pertains to Israel and Islamic terrorism, we're seeing uh, Hamas put together 5,000 kite bombs in Gaza to mark the end of Ramadan. And in Canada, we're seeing backlash against anti-Muslim speech, similar to what we're seeing in the UK. Joining me now to discuss it all is the founder of Jihad Watch and the author of The History of Jihad from Muhammad to ISIS, our good friend, Robert Spencer. Robert, thanks for being here today. Thank you, John. No, always a pleasure to have you. Always very, very interesting. You've got a story up on Jihad Watch. Title is Canada. Ottawa Library faces court challenge for canceling film depicting the Islamization of Europe. This, you know, I know we should be desensitized to this by now, Robert. Every time we see a liberal government institution or entity or body trying to downplay the threat of radical Islam, but I have to admit, it, it still stings me every time. So let me read a little bit from this. Madeline Well, the organizer of a screening of the so-called, and I love how you uh, guys wrote this, a quote controversial film, Killing Europe at the Ottawa Public Library, has applied for a judicial review of the library's decision to cancel the showing. Weld runs the Ottawa chapter of Act for Canada and is also co-founder of the organization Canadian Citizens for Charter Rights and Freedom. And it's simply a documentary that warns about the dangers of Islam essentially creating a new caliphate in Europe. Those are my words, not from Jihad Watch. Uh, Apparently the producer was scheduled to give a talk. The Ottawa Public Library shut it down after members of, I'm guessing, the Muslim community complained, correct? It could be the left. Or the the leftist groups and Muslim groups are working in tandem to shut down free and honest discussion about these issues. Yeah. The thing is, John... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, Robert, continue on. Give us, give us the background on this and, and the, the problems with it. Yeah, uh, sorry about that. The, but the thing is that the, the film Killing Europe, you know, you said anti-Muslim at the beginning of the segment, and I have to say it, it's, it's a media myth that to say that we're against jihad terror and Sharia oppression of women, of gays, of non-Muslims, and so on, is anti-Muslim. Fair, anti- fair, fair point. I stand corrected. Yeah. Great point. Well, Thank it's you. very important because, you know, we, we have to not allow ourselves to accept this leftist narrative. It, to, yep. to oppose jihad terror is no more anti-Muslim than to oppose Nazism during World War II was anti-German. 
Fair you enough. know? Fair point. Uh, yep. So anyway, but that is how these kinds of initiatives pre proceed. The, the film Killing Europe is a perfectly reasonable film that shows how there are some Muslims, and here again, not all, who are trying to establish Sharia enclaves in Europe and who are eroding the principles of equality of rights of all people before the law, particularly when it comes to women and to other groups that are targeted for discrimination in classic formulations of Sharia. And so the thing is, John, that this film has been shut down in the Ottawa Public Library because it's supposed to be anti-Muslim or Islamophobic. And the Trudeau government, of course, is committed to this motion M103, which calls, as Islam, calls Islamophobia really any honest discussion of jihad terror or the oppression that comes from Sharia. So this is a real huge issue for Canada and its future. If they're going to defend the freedom of speech or allow the freedom of speech to be shut down and Muslims essentially to be created as a protected class right. that cannot be criticized even as jihad terror continues to advance. Well, there's a great quote in here. So from again, from the Jihad Watch piece, I'm reading verbatim. The phobia about criticizing Islam is becoming more and more rooted in Canada. A retired Air Force veteran, Major Russ Cooper, who also founded, founded I'm sorry, the C3RF organization, he said, a quote, the case really highlights just how chilled and intimidated every government, every government authority, every day government authorities have become when it comes to things Islamic, right down to the municipal level, of course, referring to the Ottawa Public Library, local library. We are well down the path that gave the UK its unimpeded rape gangs and growing totalitarian impulses, including the jailing of Tommy Robinson. Now, Tommy Robinson is a friend of ours here at The Rebel, a former colleague, and I, uh, as Americans, we, we look at what happened to him and we're simply horrified, but it really does show us how far in the negative direction, in the wrong direction, places like the UK have gone and Canada's going. Yeah, absolutely. And... Uh... You know, Christine Douglas-Williams, who wrote this uh, piece at Jihad Watch that you're quoting, is uh, working with people there in Canada to try to reverse what's happening because it is extraordinarily disquieting uh, under the guise of so-called hate speech, which really is anything. You know, there's no identifiable quantity that's objectively validated called hate speech. Hate speech is whatever you want to call anything that you don't like. And the Trudeau government essentially is using the, the, the claim that some things constitute hate speech in order to shut them down, which everyone should be upset about because any government can come in and call anything they want hate speech and shut it down. Right. And leftists who are applauding this, they, they could find that that same tactic is going to end up being used against them one day. Well, we're seeing that here, though, Robert. It doesn't even have to deal with Islam. Diamond and silk were considered offensive hate speech by Facebook until... Luckily, Diamond and Silk are, know the president of the United States. They were able to get national, international attention. They got the ear of, of key members of the House and Senate, and Facebook was called to task. But I just found out, and I won't say the name, uh, a prominent conservative journalist, they asked me not to say the name, received a letter from the FEC because a left-leaning group filed a formal complaint that they didn't register their Facebook page as a political committee. This is how far the left is now going. Yeah, they're determined to shut down all dissent. What we see is the increasing authoritarianism of the left. It demonstrates, of course, that they've lost the debate. They know that they can't refute what we're saying. They know, for example, when it comes to mass Muslim migration, the Islamization of Europe and so on, as is discussed in Killing Europe, the documentary that was shut down in Ottawa, they know that the migrants are wreaking havoc in Europe, that the situation is getting out of hand rapidly in Sweden and in other countries. And they know that they can't say anything about that. So they're determined instead to silence us and to shut down all dissent. Really, we see far left regimes all over the world historically have always been authoritarian and instituted a reign of terror to terrorize and kill or imprison all dissenters. And we're seeing that the left now in the West is behaving in exactly the same way. They are not fully in power, but they are moving to crush all dissent. And I have no doubt that were they fully in power, then we would see the same things that we saw in the Soviet Union and in communist oh, I, China. I, I agree. And that we're seeing in China, now Turkey, right? But you yep. know, this is what I was going to ask you, and it was perfect. I'm glad you went there. It really was a perfect segue. The, here in America, we tell people, well, you know, we spew platitudes, right? A little bit of hyperbole. Get loud. You know, go out there, march in the street, exercise your First Amendment right. 
Go on to Twitter, go on to Facebook. If you're a PAC, a political action committee of 527, throw your ads on TV, scream and yell, get loud, and try to move the needle. But like you say, we're now seeing in places like the UK, when you get loud, Tommy Robinson got loud, he raised awareness, he shined a light on a problem, they scooped him up, and they summarily stuck him in the bowels of a jail for 13 months. When that starts happening, what what's the citizenry to do, Robert? Well, I think that there uh, have to be continued protests in Britain. There have been already, right. and I hope that they continue. And I hope ultimately that the government takes heed, pays heed to the will of the people and releases Tommy Robinson. Now, a lot of people, you know, since you mentioned that, John, a lot of people say, well, look, hey, look, he's been rightly imprisoned. He violated a court order. But what was that court order? They told him you can't report outside the trials of Muslim rape gangs. And this is a clear, transparent attempt to make sure that as few people as possible know how much British officials let down their whole nation and allowed these right. Muslim gangs to operate for years without being arrested or prosecuted because they were afraid if they did arrest and prosecute them that they'd be accused of Islamophobia. Yeah. And so they, they, they didn't want Tommy talking about this and they got him on this technicality. But that's exactly what it is. All the people who were imprisoned in the Soviet Union and communist China were rightly imprisoned too. If you go by by, by, by their law, by their book, right? Listen, yeah, you know, you know what the, the biggest lie, you know this, you know this, but many in the audience might not know this. One of the things that infuriates me the most is when European officials, whether it be in the UK, whether it be in France, now in Sweden, claim that there are no such things as no-go zones. These little, like you said it perfectly earlier, these Sharia and radical Islamic enclaves within these cities. I've got a friend who's a very senior federal law enforcement agent, and back in the late 90s until the early 2000s, he was a legal attache for his particular agency at the U.S. Embassy in Paris. And he was warned in their intelligence briefings about the Muslim no-go zones back then. These things have existed for decades, these no-go zones. So the governments in, in the U.K., in, in uh, uh, France, even down to the local level, the mayors of London, Sadiq Khan, goes without saying, and mayor of Paris, they are flat out lying to their citizens and to the world, aren't they? Yes, they are. You may recall a few years ago, there was a controversy when no-go zones were discussed on Fox News right. and Fox right. abjectly apologized, which was stupid. That was, and, I remember that, Robert. That, that actually is what spurned the initial discussion between me and this friend of mine. And we discuss good. it often. Well, the mayor of Paris, you may recall, threatened to sue Fox News at that time for talking about no-go zones in Paris. Uh, the suit never materialized because the mayor of Paris knows very well that there are no-go zones in Paris. Right. A lot of the objection to them comes from a, another technicality that some people have defined no-go zones as places where there are no non-Muslims and non-Muslims can't even enter. That's not really the case. That's not really what they are. <coughs> Excuse me. What they are is places where essentially Islamic law is in place and is the de facto law of the area. Of course, there are non-Muslims there. Of course, non-Muslims can enter. But there is no real adherence to the laws of the land. I'll give you an example. Years ago, I was walking around in Molenbeek in Antwerp, in Belgium, which is the notorious Muslim area that's full of jihadis, the jihadis who killed 130 people in Paris in November 2015, hid out there for months before they were discovered. And I was walking around in there, and I went into a halal butcher shop, and I was behaving like I was just a, a, an American tourist, and I wanted to take a picture. And the uh, Muslim who was the owner of the butcher shop, or the, the guy who was attending it, he got very angry and warned me in no uncertain terms that I better not take a picture, and if I took a picture, there could be trouble. Wow. Now, tourists go to Paris and take pictures all the time. The idea that this is forbidden in this area is an indication that there is a whole other set of laws uh, that is in operation there. And make no mistake, he made it very clear that I would face a violent attack if I went ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe every word you're saying, because what this with this friend of mine, buddy of mine, told me is that if embassy officials at that time, I don't know if it's still the case, had to go to those areas on any kind of business or to pick up a package, whatever it may have been, to get their car repaired, they were that, at that point instructed to either take members of the Marine security detail or someone from the regional security officer's diplomatic security service 
uh, squad with them as protection. They weren't allowed to go alone. I mean, so that tells you that what that's telling you is the local cops aren't going to come in there and help you. Yes, absolutely, because they are often intimidated. There was recently an incident yeah. in Germany. I couldn't believe it. There was a, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, in Italy, a Muslim migrant was being uh, deported, or he was. they were trying to deport him. And four police officers approached him. He broke the windshield of their police car and overpowered all four of them by himself wow. and got away. I want to super, super terrorist. As police officers in Italy, but the 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 point is that even the police are intimidated in many of these areas. Yeah, I mean, the sad part is, I mean, look, we we see it in the UK, we see it in Canada, but let's face it, we're seeing it here in the United States, right? In in yeah. uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, this woman who's running to replace Keith Ellison, a Muslim with ties to care, with ties to the Muslim Brotherhood, who embraces Hamas. Keith Ellison loves Louis Farrakhan. We're seeing this woman, her name escapes me at the moment, running to Ilhan replace Omar. him, who's, who's openly hostile toward Israel. Yes, Ilhan Omar. Is, Ilhan Omar, is that's a, her name. Yes, thanks, Robert. <clears throat> it's interesting because uh, she married her brother a few years back. Oh, it, was, it, it was not a case of, uh, of depravity. It was a case of uh, immigration fraud. And, wow. of course, nothing has been done because she is a Muslim politician. She's uh, thus can't be touched. She's got leftist privilege. You know, the left would cry Islamophobia if anything were done to prosecute her. And she's likely to be in the United States Congress in next year. Yeah, I was shocked that it actually looks well. I mean, it's a little Mogadishu, right? That area where she's running. It, yeah, it, it, so it's very likely to win. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. All right, let's switch gears before we uh, have to let you go. I want to talk about this very, very troubling report out of Gaza. Hamas is apparently preparing 5,000 kite bombs to be used against Israel uh, to mark the end of Ramadan. What in the world is going on? I'm just glad that I'm also reading that Israeli, that IDF snipers have some new sighting technology that's going to enable them to shoot these things out of the air. Well, you know, the uh, Gaza protesters who have been at the border now for quite some time, have been using kites. Often the kites yes. are marked yes. wasps, and they put Molotov cocktails on these kites. They have burned at least 6,000 acres of Israeli farmland by doing these things. And then the UN actually this morning uh, condemned Israel yet again for resisting these supposedly peaceful protesters. And now they're going to have bombs on the kites, uh, who knows what kind of havoc they're going to be able to wreak. But this indicates yet again, these have, are not peaceful protesters. They have never been peaceful protesters. And the UN really ought to be ashamed of itself for continuing to validate this false narrative. And we know how this is going to play out. The IDF is going to wind up shooting a couple of terrorists. And all of a sudden, it's going to be the Israeli Defense Force attached, innocent, paraplegic, poor <laughs> Palestinians who are only seeking asylum in Israel. And the entire narrative about the kite bombs and the Hamas terrorists is going to be thrown by the wayside by the international leftist media, right? That's right. It's coming. It's 100% certain. You got it. Robert Spencer is always my friend. An absolute pleasure. We have to do this more often. Always, always interesting. And I really want to catch up with you offline about this uh, politician in Minneapolis. This is really interesting. Let's, let's uh, do that story next week. Okay, John. Thanks. Call me you anytime. Take care.